0: Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I am Jacob Barr. I'm here with Peggy and Jarrell, and we're going to talk about the new book, The Power of Pranksy Help, talking about the story of Heartbeat International and how it is weaved into the pro-life movement and the pro-life sphere over the last 50 years. Uh, Peggy and Jarrell, I am so glad to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Would you please introduce yourself as if you were talking to a group of
1: executive directors of pregnancy clinics? You
2: want to go first, Jarrell.
1: <laughs> <Sure. laughs> well, um, I'm Jarrell Godsey, president of Harpy International, and I have the privilege of being Peggy Hartshorn's successor to that role. Uh, she's been in the movement. Of- a, a long time, and I have not been in it as long, but also a, a good long time. And uh, together, it's been a joy to work on a history of the pregnancy health movement, uh, and and as a because that's really the history of heartbeat as well. And so it's a it's a privilege to be able to do a podcast with you, Jacob, uh, also a friend for a good long time.
2: And I'm Peggy Hartshorn, uh, and I got into the pro life movement in 1973 and really began to focus primarily on pregnancy help when we started housing pregnant girls in our home in 1975. So I learned on the job uh, what what they need, who they are, how to try to get the resources for them and the complexities of their situations and their feelings and their thoughts. And uh, God just solidified that more and more until after about 20 years, as a volunteer in the movement, uh, I thought he was calling me to work full time uh, in the movement and to become the president and first paid staff person, actually, for Heartbeat International. And that was 1993. So um, I had the blessing of doing that for 23 years and also of having, for the last 10 years of that, Jarrell Godzi as my right-hand person. And so uh, he, was, he was the perfect person to uh, take the ball and run with it when it was time for me to transition as chairman of the board, which I am now and I still love just being involved in the work uh, from the role of the board.
0: Thank you so much, both for being on. I'd like to start off by sharing somewhat of an anecdote or a story about how I met you, Peggy. So my my colleague and friend Jeremy, who used to work with me, we we went to the Heartbeat Conference, um, and we were well. Let me back up a minute. Um, so John Tabor, we were working with John Tabor uh, out of Tucson, and he told us that if we would pay half, he would pay the other half to get us to the Heartbeat Conference, and he oh. made a compelling uh, case for how important it would be for us to go. And, and over and I, and I think he yeah, it's all that to say is that he was a driving force for us to go the first time and it really opened our eyes to the to the group who was you know who was heartbeat and to the pregnancy clinics who were working so hard with so little uh, across the uh, across the map. And so we were really um, energized and I, I can't remember which year it was. it's probably like 2007, but he was, giving a a talk and Sister Paula was in the audience. And then that's when we made the connection with Sister Paula, which then led us to being connected with her for the next, I think 14 years or so of working with her at ILS. And, but one one of the favorite stories that Jeremy would often share as an icebreaker, because he also gave several workshops at Heartbeat, probably, I I think one year he gave three workshops, very often, probably two for several years in a row. And, and what, what his icebreaker was that when he met you in the elevator, he, he tripped over his suitcase as he was saying, hello. <laughs> and it, just, and it turned out to be this really sort of funny way that he would introduce himself at a workshop is he would explain how he met you. Uh, here's Peggy Hartshorn. And then as I was trying to say hello, I trip out of the elevator through my, you know, with, with luggage. And, um, and it was a really good icebreaking story and people would laugh and chuckle and, and and um it just showed the reality of life and how life can be fun
2: (laughs) and I probably was laughing because I've done that before myself you know
0: (laughs) yeah yeah um and I really enjoyed this book this book is I feel like it more than just heartbeat I feel like you're 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 um you're capturing the history of the pro-life world the pro-life sphere as heartbeat is weaved in as like a main connecting force throughout all of these um, players and characters and stories, and and through God working in so many different places, I feel like you're, you know, just the the magnitude. Like uh, right before the right before the uh, podcast started and we're talking like if you actually listed out all the people who were involved and part of these stories, we'd have a phone book. We wouldn't have.
2: <laughs> <Absolutely>. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: Um, and I liked how you started off by sharing how God led, um, you, um, one step at a time towards this role. And it felt like God's fingerprints were on all sides of those doors. And so,
2: And, and you know, that was Jarrell's story too. I finally got him to tell his story, uh, at the beginning of the book. He's always so modest, but you know, God had his hand on Jarrell, all those, all those steps as well. And uh, we've got a picture of him in the book with his T-shirt on uh, that. What did it say, Jarrell? Something about Rescue, uh, Rescue Florida, Florida. Yeah. He, uh, at that point, there was
1: Operation. Yeah, I came through the activist side of the of the pro-life movement uh, by getting arrested at uh, Operation Rescue uh, events, which happened a few times and ended up in jail. In fact, that you know that's kind of how I opened that chapter is the first time I heard about pregnancy centers I was in jail, which is not where you normally would expect to hear such things, but it was because a bunch of uh, churches, representative of churches had been arrested and in jail and someone says, hey, there's this thing called a pregnancy center opening near you guys. We're like, what's that? And it's like I, I got to be the one to go and visit that local center and I was just captured uh, at that point in time. It's like, well, this is cool and very comp- the compassionate, loving outreach that it represented was a very compelling mission.
2: So a lot more productive, a lot more productive. (laughs) (laughs) We are still involved. I mean, pregnancy help will continue to go on and will expand and strengthen and other tactics uh, that, that the pro-life movement has um, been called to do sometimes have a place uh, for a certain time and place, but pregnancy help, has been there since the beginning, you know, uh, even even before the Supreme Court decision, pregnancy help began to develop when abortion started uh, to be promoted in various states. And so God's people step forth then and still are. I don't see any end to it. and maybe even it needs to even uh, be expanded even more and I think God will do that as states begin restricting abortions um, after the Dobbs decision. I really believe it'll be a major time of expansion for pregnancy help.
0: Yeah, it, because the, you know, the unplanned pregnancy doesn't go away just when it becomes illegal. It, it essentially right. you know, that's a sin problem and sin doesn't ever, you know, it's it's there for the, the long road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's always help of it is it, always help needed. And so like that's the, mm-hmm. and so having pregnancy clinics prepared to, to help and support as that as the need continues on, is such an uh, amazing work to be a part of.
2: Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, we've even heard this from uh, from centers in states where abortion has been more restricted, that once women realize, coming into the centers, that, okay, the time has passed for them to be able to have an abortion uh, in that state, sometimes, and actually a lot of times, it's a, it's a relief. And I've had women say that to me through the years, oh,
3: hmm. good
2: you know, now how can I have this baby and what can you do to help? You know, they've been pressured, urged, pushed, coerced in various ways and made to think that abortion is the best solution for them and for the people around them, but they know that it's not deep inside. So now they can get back to, okay, how do I have this baby and how do I do it in the best possible way? So I think that's one reason that we will have a gigantic expansion because women... Know that abortion is not the best thing for their babies and for themselves. And uh, once there's a limit, uh, they will seek out pregnancy help.
0: So, so Peggy I want to say I want I want to say thank you to you for writing this book with Jarrell and for both of you to say thank you to you because I feel like this was a story that needed to be told and it's gonna I think it's gonna be referenced as other stories are written down the road like this is like a historical account of all of these efforts and and for like you know the, the chapter devoted to sister Paula along with the her story weaved in throughout the rest of the book is such a a beautiful thing because she was such an. Uh, I, I I could speak. Essentially, I felt like she was very unique when it came to her, her 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 loving kindness and her ability to lead through questions and yes. and um and for me, I felt like it also reflects. Uh, for essentially, her um her Catholic beliefs were were weaved in so kindly and gently with um evangelical and other other groups that it really was such a bit a bridge builder and i feel like that also reflects sort of i remember, I remember going to a workshop that jerell put on you know when it comes to like some some clinics are catholic and some are evangelical and 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 the way that Jarrell, the way you um weaved these stories together explaining you know such a bridge building experience when it comes to these different faiths and different flavors of faith i suppose but all having the commonality of jesus and how we work together, and, and it's just a beautiful thing. And I feel like Sister Paula connected with these evangelical groups was such an amazing picture of like how Jesus is bigger than a denomination or a single group.
2: Yes, and I, I agree with you. And I, I was very much influenced by Sister Paula, of course. I was trained by her in the early days of AAI, and as you mentioned, the questions. Yes, she was so good at helping people to think through who they are, what their feelings are by the questions she asked. And of course that really influenced me and it influenced the love approach uh, that I ended up writing. How do we translate what Sister Paula could uniquely do? She was so good at that. How can we try to teach something like that you know, to a large group of people? And so, um, so the questions were so important. That's the L step of the love approach. And then uh, opening the options in a, in, in, in a more direct way in to a certain extent and expressing a vision, being able to share a new vision and a new hope of uh, uh, what would Jesus do, uh, you know, more explicitly. And then the very explicit help of providing resources in the E-step extended in power. So I tried to combine what I learned uh, from, counseling, you might say, uh, from social work <laughs> in connecting to the resources, from evangelism in uh, the V-step, and as a teacher, the, the O-step and the options. So I tried to put all that together in a way that we could really um, expand that way of loving and caring in providing help uh, in a way that people could remember easily and could could take with them and could be used internationally too. But Sister Paula was a big influence in that for me.
1: <laughs> and She was a, a very well-trained social worker. I mean, right. uh, licensed social worker and and kind of had that skill as training. And in the early days of the pregnancy help as it is today, uh, it, it the goal is to try to get someone who does not have those uh kind of credentials available to them we love having social workers in the movement and who join us whether on on staff or as volunteers Uh, but but really the call in those days was to kind of empower the layman so to speak and Mm -hmm. I, i think what peggy did was uh um kind of translate some of those skills that 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 some people will go for years and of course sister paula had a had a tremendous uh ability to natural ability to do that as well but she also had deep training and and so the challenge is to try to figure out a way to engage um, the layperson, the people that are coming with a heart. They have a his, they have their own connection or history. Maybe they were they were themselves mothers, or um, or or had had a, experienced an unplanned pregnancy at some point. Maybe even uh, many people that are in our movement have had an abortion in their past. So it's getting that that willing heart that has a compassion for the work, and then kind of supercharging their training in a very focused way, and that's really what. <laughs> What the love approach did, as did other other trainings in that era, was to try to get people who who were suddenly motivated to help these women have a different choice besides abortion.
0: Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad that you got you included a a chapter and so much time for for her part of the story, as as I just feel that, you know, the honor was so needed to be shared so that her story can be shared amongst the um, pro-life community. Um, and
2: isn't, it, isn't it an amazing thing that, you know, she, she became sick rather suddenly and, uh, but she had the time to leave us a beautiful message, which for our 50th anniversary, a uh, little video that we were able to share. And, um, and actually we were able to kind of complete her story before we published the book. So
0: I felt that was a God thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Jarell, when it comes to this, 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 what you, uh, this writing of this book, um, what message would you want someone to be left with as they're thinking and remembering of what they read? Like, what would you want them to, to resonate or to, you know, to hear echo
1: in their mind? Well, to me, it's it's captured in, in the title. Uh, it's that there is a power to pregnancy help. Those two those words don't often fit together uh, in a normal conversation, but when you ha- can kind of step back and look at the fullness of what the pregnancy help movement has accomplished, what I love to say and, and know to be absolutely true is that our work cannot be, our successes cannot be undone uh, by uh, the next legislative, um, Bill that's signed by the by such and such politician, you know, our our successes walk around and and live and have lives and then uh, and then have families of their own and go on. I mean, we're you know we're in our our 50 plus years now of pregnancy help, and that means somewhere there there's someone who's there are probably many grandparents who who otherwise might have been aborted and not have had the ability to uh see the lineage that they have so that is that to me i hope is the biggest takeaway and then looking a little closer and realize that this wasn't done because someone had a really good plan in the very beginning and lots of money and just you know made all this happen this is really a bunch of people as we talked about earlier a lot of people involved who simply were stepping up and saying, "What can I do? And how can I help? And how can I do this?" And it's certainly it's not the entire picture of the pro-life movement, but it is a it is a picture of the pregnancy help movement, which I believe has been uh, the backbone of the pro-life movement for decades. As 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 um, things as uh, things have like risen and fallen in other, other aspects of the pro-life movement as the, as the uh, political environment has been favorable and then a very unfavorable. And it, as it's gone through all those ups and downs, the pregnancy help movement has just been keeping on, keeping on. And that's why it's been a, a joy to celebrate. I, I think it was counted in just a couple of years ago, uh, two million um, clients served at a, you know, at a uh, pregnancy center in the US. Th- those are not small numbers, and it's only because of And
2: you mean 2 million in one year, right? 2
1: million in one year. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Thank you for that yeah. clarification. <laughs> 2 million in one year, and that's no small, small thing for um, for centers that are often under resourced, uh, certainly could always do with more. And yet they just keep on keeping on. And that's the power of pregnancy help in action.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: How about you, Peggy, what, 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 what was your what was
0: your, the thought that you would like people to be, to resonate and to find as they're, you know, flipping through this book after they read through it, you know, looking for, for thoughts and things to consider, what would you like them to, what would you like to have it echo in their mind as they're considering what was written?
2: Well, I think I, I will piggyback on what Jarrell said in terms of God did this, God did this, because this book is just filled with ordinary people ordinary people who, who you would never think could do what they did (laughs) and what they are doing. And I was, I was, uh, I mean, we held up the book for a little while because I kept wanting more pictures. I want more pictures. I want more people in here. I want the whole list of all the people who've been on the board since the beginning of the years of, of heartbeat. I want every servant leader. I want every location, uh, Every conference, because I know people will remember those things. You know, uh, we have so many pictures of moms and babies in here. Uh, there, they are real heroes, of course, uh, with Abortion Pill Rescue. But we've got hundreds and hundreds of pictures. <laughs> I'm a picture person, so um, you know, to me, I, even if they don't read every word, just looking at the pictures of the heroes, ordinary people who have become heroes because they said yes to the Lord, and he worked through them. And, and those that we were able to help and save in the pregnancy help movement. Uh, so I guess that's, that's the thing I would want them to remember the most. And that's really the power, isn't it? I mean, God is really the power behind pregnancy help. And then he acts through ordinary people who, 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 who bring his love to the world, whether that's the mother for her child, whether that's the volunteer in the pregnancy center for uh, the mom and the child, whether it's the center leader and director who's loving the staff and and encouraging them in their gifts. You know, it all is from the power of the Lord through us that this happens. So hopefully you can see it on the faces of the people whose pictures are in the book.
0: I believe that yeah, it feels like this book is showing gratitude to the people who have essentially been servant leaders in their communities yes. and essentially giving well, and, and that's what Heartbeat normally does every conference is they, they honor the people who are, are working so diligently to serve, to serve Jesus um, through their daily lives and by in serving in their communities. Um, I, I believe it was last year that you honored uh, Martha Avia with a uh, was it a, a servant leadership award and
2: she she became one of our legacy awards Oh legacy
1: yeah, oh we
2: only had uh I don't know Jarrell do we, have we had 10 maybe or 12 it's,
1: Yeah it's it's about 10 yes legacy, 10 award legacy winners. awards
2: yes and uh, yes we were able to honor Martha for that
1: so
0: thank oh, you so Sister much for Paula. honoring her Sister Oh
2: Paulette is one of our <laughs> legacy award winners as well Yeah, yeah
0: they both reflect Jesus so well. I, I, yeah, Sister Paula, I think reflects Jesus and his ability to communicate. And I think, um, Martha reflects Jesus. Like we, I think she reflects God's heart when it comes <laughs> to her, her, compassion for others. Yes. And yes. so, um, and so that, that's just, yeah, I just feel, I just want to say thank you for honoring these people who, uh, who I have seen. And I would say there's I can't think of anyone better to honor than those who you have picked. So your selection process is really good.
2: (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, the great thing for Jarrell and for me is that we actually do know and have relationships with all these people. You know, you may know some, maybe you don't know all, but that's the blessing for us to be in this full time that uh, we get to be with these people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so, and so I feel like in this book, I didn't, I didn't, I, I learned in this book that you were part of writing the love approach. I didn't know that until I, I read this mm-hmm. and, and I feel like heartbeat staff has really championed that concept of leading with love when interacting with others. One of the stories that I, I shared this with, with Jarrell many years ago, it, when I went to, it was probably my first time at um, a heartbeat conference, uh, probably 2006 or 2007. And I was in a workshop and it was being done by, uh, I think it was Brett with Option Line. And he he was very kind and loving to me as someone in the audience, not knowing that a competitor could be kind to another competitor, like that was foreign to me. And here he is, um, saying kind words in that workshop to me, it just blew me away, and it really set me up to follow in his footsteps for having a desire to uh, build a pro-life team, even amongst um, who you know groups who would normally be competitors. And so, I feel like your team has had an impact. You know, many dominoes later, it keep it continues to provide fruit, and oh, and you. so. And I can also, you know, everyone on your team. I would say I've had positive experiences with, um, and I've only had experiences probably with like ten percent of your team. <laughs>
2: so well, you've ever- the other ninety percent are just like that. I can I'm assure guessing, you. Right I'm, maybe, better. Right right maybe, maybe better. Maybe better.
1: Because he's usually putting up with me. So, uh, I think. I think he. Yeah. I think the dances are better with the other ninety percent as well. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, so the love approach, I don't, I mean, when it comes to the love approach being part of your, 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 who you are as your culture, I believe that must be there, even though that wasn't necessarily said in the text. Like, I believe you've championed that, not just serving clients with the love approach. It it sounds more like you've championed that with helping, with talking to anybody, it feels like.
2: well, let, actually, let me
1: speak to that. Yeah. Let me speak to that because okay. Peggy drafted it and not only did she draft it and put it on paper, but it's it's in her heart and it it just it oozes out of her at, <laughs> at every at every opportunity. And that is uh, part of the blessing of that I had in joining heartbeat international and having the ability to uh, receive that I, I, you know, I, I would I, I kid with my wife, I had to I didn't. I didn't naturally get mercy as a gift from God. I had to marry it, right? So, but with uh, with Peggy, I, I've learned and uh, to understand more about what it means to have a love approach in everything that we do. Now, you know, do we do it perfectly? No, but at least to have that as our foundational connection. And so Peggy's not only writing it, but living it has really sewn that into the heartbeat culture uh, on our team and our and our staff, and it's uh, it's a it's been a blessing to um, to receive it and to learn it, and then to get the opportunity to live it as well. Uh, hopefully, even a fraction of has how well Peggy lives it.
2: Well, thank you for that, Jarrell. That's very sweet. But you know, people did. I, I guess we do. Ju- we did on the heartbeat staff, and we do use it somewhat naturally. And so Betty McDowell, you know, our vice president for affiliate services was after me for a number of years to write a love approach training, a love approach book for everybody. We call it the love approach for everybody. And it is to be used on your staff, on your board, in your home, with your spouse, with your neighbors, with your church. And so we do, if you like books, how do you have the love approach book? We wrote it, the love approach for everyone. It's called uh, what is it called, Jarrell?
3: <laughs> four love, proven
2: steps yeah. four, four, for the love approach. Four proven steps uh, to, for problem solving and relationship building in your family, church, and community. So that's something we do provide, you know, because even our staff has recognized, wow, I guess we're learning a new way of communicating. Let's teach this to everybody. <laughs> so it's a little book. It's, a, it's built on stories of people who learn the love approach. And then go back and use it with a spouse or use it on the job or, you know, use it with someone at church, uh, use it with a son. And so it's a story again, stories like you mentioned in this book, the stories, people love the stories. So that's, that's that book. You can get that from Heartbeat too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah,
1: and, and, and truthfully, Jacob, it comes from the reality that what that woman who's at risk in that moment of being at risk for abortion, what she needs is someone to listen to her and to understand where she's at, and then to introduce um, uh, what you know more, maybe more possibilities than what she's. And and this is really the, the same path that we should practice with one another. I, I know, I know Peggy really uh, derived it from um, the love chapter in scripture, First Corinthians thirteen, and and that, so that's a, a, it's applicable to all of us. That's why it's very helpful. And it's a it's something that guides um, the core of our team at heartbeat uh, day in and day out. One of the uh,
0: uh, messages in the book that really struck me as being something that I think people need to hear more often is the best alternative to abortion is another person. Can Peggy? Can you speak to to the to the backstory of that line?
2: Well. Actually, I think it came from a friend of mine uh, mm-hmm. in, in another state while we're from Ohio. I think it was from a friend of mine when he said it to me and he was involved in pregnancy help. It just stuck with me. I mean, I never forgot it because that actually is the essence of what we do. It's person to person, one person helping another person. Some people say it's almost like the Good Samaritan, you know, it's like, uh, we can stand beside, we can help lift, we can accompany, you know, and that's what women need and families need. They need somebody to help them through those difficult times. Sometimes they only need someone to say, you can do it. I've heard so many stories from women who have come back to tell their story one at a pregnancy center banquet, I heard. Uh, She said, she got up to give her testimony. She said she heard about the banquet. The center was celebrating, I believe their 40th year. And she she just contacted them the week before and said, you won't remember me. Nobody there will remember me. But about 30 years ago, I came to your center and, and I only came in once. And she said, I, I talked my mother, she talk, my boyfriend's mother, I talked her into letting me come here before she took me to another city to get an abortion. I said, please let me go there. And she said, I didn't know what you could provide. I was only there once. But the one thing you said to me was, you can do it. You can do it and we can help you. Well, she never came back, but that gave her the courage to say, I'm not going to have an abortion. I can be a mother. I can do this. So and then she introduced her 30-year-old son who was with her that night at the banquet. So you know, it's we don't know the impact of just being one person who in a in when someone's in crisis steps forward with compassion, care and says, "We can help." You know, and gives them the affirmation. You know, that that they they have the strength within themselves and the power with God's grace, you know, to 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 really conquer these problems that are pulling them down at that particular point in time. So it is just one person to another on our hotline on option line. Jarrell can speak to this, too, that women have all kinds of ways of connecting with us electronically, but they still like to talk to another person on the phone. Right, Jarrell? <laughs>
1: That's true. Yeah. Yep, it's still okay. still happening. Uh, even the younger generation is still uh, interested in making phone calls. Maybe they'll chat more often and, uh, and whatnot, but yeah, they'll connect. I, I want to add to what Peggy was saying, because I think it, to me that that phrase, Jacob, it really kind of unpacks a couple of other uh, concepts in, in a way, um, one of which is, it's an invitation that you, as a person can make a difference. you know it it's it it's as simple as that, and I think that that is the power of what we understand from Scripture that God is inviting us just to be willing and obedient and step out. and I think I think that affirmation does that. It invites people to say, Well, I'm just a person, I can do this as well. I, you know Peggy was talking about we we the book is filled with otherwise ordinary people who have done extraordinary things. And then the, the other thing that I think that that phrase um, reminds us is that, you know, there are technologies and tools and, and, and even laws and things that will come down the, down, down the pike. And we, we celebrate those, the ones that are good and the whatnot. But ultimately, this is always a person to person reality. You know, it's a person that gets pregnant, it's a person that feels those pressures. And and those tools and technologies are wonderful. And we certainly pray for more laws and legislation to, to, to be drafted that will help us. Uh, but ultimately, it's going to be that, um, that that best alternative to abortion, even when the law is already outlawing abortion, is the best alternative is going to be another person helping them to realize what is really already, already deep within them because God put it there. Mm-hmm.
0: So true. When I think of the uh, Good Samaritan story, um, m- many of us have been different characters in that story. We're not always the Good Samaritan role. Sometimes, you know, uh, the, the lady that you are sharing about it sounds like she was the one who was left on the side of the road and needing medical care, and um, and so it's amazing that someone was able to help her get medical care and pick up that that cost for a bit. And, Mm -hmm. and then, but sometimes I feel like the people who are in our movement or who need to be in our movement are sometimes are the religious leader who is busy on their way down the road with a full calendar, lots of things to do, and really just needs to slow down and, you know, consider helping the person that they're passing by. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes people in our movement, you know, are the people who were the abuser And who left that person hurt on the side of the road and need to repent and then turn around to, you know, to then be able to help the next person. And sometimes we're the, yeah, so I feel like in that Good Samaritan story, each character in there represents someone, you know, personally, I I, I can see how each person in there, I've been each of those people. I've been the religious person, I've been the abuser, I've been the abused, I've been all of those different people in that story. And not always the good Samaritan, uh, the person who we always strive to be, or you know, you know that's the right answer.
1: (laughs) But the other
0: people are very often, you know, part of our real world. And so I feel like the call is for people who are busy to find, you know, to make this a priority because it's important. Or for people who have hurt somebody else through, you know, some way, to realize that they they can, they can, they can, they can still become the good Samaritan and a future story.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and so it's a lot to pull from that
2: that's so true and one of the things i was thinking as you were talking one group you didn't talk about were the people at the inn where the good samaritan dropped off the victim yeah you know he rescued them uh in the crisis but then he dropped them off at the inn well you know they took care of him long term and so that could be the people in the church you know that could be the people in one of our maternity homes that could be uh, any of us, again, who uh, a person is through the crisis, but they still need a lot of love and and help and support. So factoring that in, too, uh, that's mm-hmm. that's beautiful what you were saying, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and so what, going back to option line, um, it, it feels like option line is your gift to the pro-life world, but it comes to having a service that is that expands beyond just the heartbeat um, affiliates Where when it comes to driving traffic to those ends, those places of help mm-hmm. and rescue. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is just really, uh, you know, being open 24 seven every day of the year, providing care through phone, uh, chat, text, in a way that ske- helps scheduling an appointment so that people can get in front of another person, um and having having someone answer the I think it was your words, Pe- uh Peggy, that you said you wanted someone to answer the phone. You didn't want a voicemail or right. <laughs> something like that. And I can I can say that is spot on and beautiful to have another person is so much like I don't know what percent better, maybe a thousand percent better, maybe ten thousand percent better than than a voicemail or a phone tree is the worst. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? right. laughs> Imagine calling 911 and getting a phone tree. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Right. Oh, <laughs> and you know, you know, Jacob, not only the people that you're thinking of who who maybe think they're pregnant, they've taken a pregnancy test, they don't know what to do, or, you know, their boyfriends have abandoned, they don't know what to do. I think Jarrell might speak to uh, some of the other collaborations that we have with Option Line because you're right, it's a gift, not just thank you for saying that, not just uh, to, to pregnancy help, but um we really we really collaborate in option line with a lot of other parts of the movement
1: yeah yeah there are a number of uh, of organizations that we answer their calls uh, for them at option line uh, we you know we don't necessarily answer it but using their branding but we but they know that they can rely on us to to direct the the kind of um, a client that is looking for the services that they have for. So, for instance, uh, we work with Safe Haven Alliance. So uh, Safe Haven Alliance is a is a small but mighty p- group that is all across the country. But they couldn't on, on their uh, you know with with their ability or capability. They could not uh, host a 24, 7, 365 call center. So we do that. And that way, then they publish their number. We know when it comes and, it's, and and someone's calling on that line. And then we know that if they're looking to place that child and find someone, you know, that's the safe haven Alliance is the ones that are Kind of fulfilling the laws which is now in all 50 states where a woman can relinquish her her child if she's uh, maybe she's just had a baby and she's overwhelmed by it all and 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 feels like the only thing that she can do is is place that child in the in the care of the authorities so that it can potentially find a better path then we answer that we answer those calls and direct them to that to, to those Folks that are in every single state as well, they work across the country and we serve them in that way. And then we we also are able to answer the call for organizations, maybe they are only available weekdays or or in uh, regular business hours, and then we're the ones helping take overnight calls for them. So we do that with not only the 2,200 pregnancy help organizations that are on the list itself, but for about two dozen organizations, Uh, that are are doing some aspect of of that kind of uh uh, outreach of pregnancy help
0: And, and i think you uh your heartbeated uh honored the servant well the the gentleman who started safe haven i think it was about five years ago the gentleman with the cowboy hat, maybe the cowboy boots. I forget. We, I was next to his booth in the workshop. I mean, in the <laughs> vendor area. And uh-huh. I believe the lady that was with him out of Phoenix, Arizona was actually the first baby rescued through Safe Haven. And I believe she was like 30 something. And so, you know, wow. that group's been around and she was there, you know, working in their Safe Haven vendor booth. I don't think they're regular regular vendors because that's the first time I've interacted with them. But at the same time, yeah, they've been around for that number of years. As she was the first story, you know, there on the vendor on the vendor floor, uh, talking to people. Very, you know, just a wonderful person.
2: That's, I I love how you remember so many of the powerful things at a heartbeat conference and, you know, it's true that that heartbeat conference brings together an amazing group of people, and often different from year to year not always exactly the same people, but Mm -hmm. you meet these phenomenal heroes, everyone has a wonderful story, in the exhibit areas you know at the coffee machine, um, (laughs) you know, uh, in in the praise and worship, I mean it's just in the workshops amazing, amazing people. I, it's sometimes I remember talking to some people who have come for the first time and they said, it's just like, you know, drinking out of a fire hose. There's so much <laughs> powerful stuff coming at them all the time and wonderful people, but thanks for sharing all those things. Jacob. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I hope more people can participate in our conferences.
0: Yeah. I, I think the story of, you know, the Praise clinic movement, um, if it, it, it's full of gratitude and, and all as well as grief and and, and mourning is we're it's we're mourning the loss of of babies who didn't make it, but we're at the same time we have gratitude and thanks for those who were rescued. And so there yeah. we have this, um, you know, it, it's hard and and sad, but at the same time, there's joy and good things. And there's a, I, I it's a there's a proverb that says, you know, rejoice with those who are having joy and yes. then be sad with those who are sad. That's it, right. the paraphrase version. I can't remember the exact right. words. But the idea, though, is I feel like the Praise the Clinic movement really that that verse of, you know, having joy with those who are celebrating life and birthdays that were almost not, you know, didn't happen. And then also at the same time, being able to mourn and feel sad and grief with those who um yeah as, as many stories are sad
2: yeah. and
0: and so i feel like our movement is full of of both sides or both parts of yeah gratitude and grief at the same time
1: mm-hmm. yeah. which is why it's very difficult to understand why anyone would have anything against the pregnancy help movement but we have our detractors um you know largely they arise we did a whole chapter on this uh about defending against attack and it's just I just don't understand it at its core, except that it's ideologically driven. Sometimes it's the people that have been hurt uh, by the abortion industry that um, that can't find themselves uh, uh, to see it beyond it or above it. Uh, so they're motivated that. But frankly, it's a, there's a political machine that's out there, and even now, uh, Jacob, that they're going after things like the abortion pill reversal. They're they're targeting pregnancy centers. There's um, the, some very unfortunate uh, uh, um, articles out there that are published by otherwise well-respected people in the medical community um, that uh, turn out that they're, they're they have uh, connections with the abortion industry, for instance, and, and they're writing uh, unkind things about the pregnancy help centers uh, in particular. So it's very, it's very challenging to watch that and watch how kind of on the political spectrum, uh, some people will find pregnancy centers in particular to be very soft targets because they're stationary and they're warm and kind people. And they really don't want to be, um, uh, they don't want to be a big voice in the community. They just want to be a helping hand. And uh, so they end up being soft targets and, and easy targets for those that are trying to do negative things against us.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, the, the attacks, uh... Well, well speaking of APR like that's an ongoing attack and it feels like yeah resolution is still pending uh, and that being turned around and there's a lot yeah, of that chapter's, written, that chapters
1: still being written that chapter is still being written right now because uh, it's uh it's a huge thing uh, abortion pill reversal has it's almost I think it's God's answer to this the rise of chemical abortion which yeah. which we could see a little bit but really didn't know fully how how much it was going to be a factor in our future, and right now, on the verge of Dobbs being announced, we already know that the, you know, the administration that's empowered now has relaxed some of the rules so that uh, um, chemical abortion can be delivered by mail more readily. Uh, so we know that that's increasing. We saw in Goodmacher's own numbers were announced. Um, after our book was written, but announced just recently that they're saying in 2020, we had estimated that the percentage of chemical abortions um, for all abortions was going to be around 50%. But in yeah. fact, it's not; it's 54%. So, the, and that's a preliminary number they're saying. I, I think that they might even adjust that up higher. And if you if you then extend out. Uh, The the trajectory that suggests that in in 2023 the number could be as high as 70% so we know that chemical abortion is increasing it's already driving the abortion numbers back up after they had basically declined. uh, uh, To 50% of what they were in 1991 Uh, and um, so now we're seeing uh, some unfortunate changes. And it's going to be all the more important and you know and, and the reality about abortion pill reversal while it's not a it's not a. Um, it's not preferable to some to a woman, having never taken the chemical abortion It certainly it ought to be something that should be her right to choose and should be her her. Uh, ability to to attempt to rescue that baby and she should not be held to uh, having to fulfill an ab- abortion she no longer consents to and yet and yet the argument from the other side is to make make her almost force her uh either out of ignorance or um or some of the doctors that that if she's if she's taken the abortion pill and then regretted it and then has reached out back to the abortionist they said oh no you have to complete this and uh, that that is um that's just unfortunate and unconscionable
0: yeah and i feel like whether, whether the one, you know, I think the number is 60 ish percent of those who go through the APR regiment will, you know, the baby will be, will survive with no added birth defects yes. um, mm-hmm. based on whether it's taken, you know, based on whether it's taken through the muscles or orally, like that's the percent difference. But, um, but then, when it comes to the woman who does, you know, the baby doesn't survive, I feel like she's doing something. So even for her, it's better to try than to 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 not try. And for the woman who does try and has, you know, the baby survives, you know, obviously there is blessing and good things from from life. But for the woman who, you know, who with the baby doesn't survive, I feel like she will she'll have a. You know, it, she can at least say that she tried, even though it didn't turn out in a positive
1: yeah, I, way. I had that very experience with uh, with a nurse who was actually a a nurse on on the hotline, and uh, on the APR hotline when we first were encountering it. And she she stopped. We were talking about. Well, I said, well, I was like, well, it's unfortunately it's only sixty four percent effective or something like that. And she stopped me. She said, Jarrell, don't you don't you dismiss what you give her. Uh, in the ability to try uh, to reverse something that she had done herself. So it's it's really allowing her in a sense to redeem the action, even though it's ultimately uh, unsuccessful, it, give, it gives her that as something that she can carry that I at least made the effort to reverse something that I uh, yeah. had unfortunately uh, stepped into to begin with. So I I think you're right, uh, Jacob. I, I think that, that is something that uh, should not be minimized and should be also uh, clearly a part of it. We we wish, of course, the successes were higher and maybe if if uh, we could actually um, get the the medical community on our side and to help begin researching this more clearly and more specifically, um, then we might uh, see that that percentage even improve. Um, but unfortunately, so we've we have some research that uh, has has been attempted to get. Clearances from uh, uh, various um, entities, like uh, internal review boards, and um, even the FDA has kind of slow walked some some uh, things and, and not provided full um, agreement or sign off, so that we could conduct that research. And again, those things can't can't be anything less but politically motivated. Yeah, unfortunately.
0: That the the first place that i heard about apr um, was at it was at sister paula's um international Life services advanced training institute and i remember seeing um uh nurse debbie at the booth and i think that, the next year they had dr uh, george delgado but um I remember talking to her and I, I i just like i i had no clue as to what she was really saying like it did not make sense like you can reverse an abortion. I, I really, am not, I'm, not, I'm not tracking. And it, it took me like six months after that, <laughs> that training institute to like, it finally like a bell or a, a light bulb went off. And I'm like, oh, oh, I finally get it. And like, so I called her and I said, hey, I want to help you with your website. And so we ended up, you know, offering some donation services and we worked with them for, I think it was about, I, I want to say like five years before Heartbeat really, you know, took the baton and, you know, with your team of amazing team to, you know, taking it to the next level. Um, but yeah, it was what an amazing group. I mean, Dr. D- George Delgado, nurse Debbie, uh, and several nurses who are willing to take the call for that, for their hotline, working through, uh, culture of life, family services, and just what an amazing group they're out of San Diego to start, you know, start that, that network, and then to be able to hand it off to heartbeat to, um, to take it to you know a larger a larger
1: audience yeah well that was that's one of those historical moments in my mind uh I, you know standing we were actually we're in California that year with our conference as only God could have planned because we're just not that bright to know what we're doing going to be doing three <laughs> and four years ahead uh these major changes that he's gonna that he's gonna uh, orchestrate so it was a real blessing to be in California that year and to kind of take the keys uh to to the car so to speak and and actually began answering the calls on option line at that very same time and but we learned a lot and you know and the team that uh that uh, was uh, abortion pill reversal network at that time was a small but mighty team of all volunteers i mean mostly and uh, we've been able to now now we have more than 40 nurses that are a part of that uh, we have uh, about half dozen that are full time uh, with heartbeat who are uh, empowered to that there that we have multiple, like, like nurse managers that takes that take, that take um, um, weeks at a time of being uh, shift managers. Uh, so we we've been able to grow that because it needs to be grown and, and it needs to be bigger because the numbers are getting bigger if we're now talking. Um, uh. 350,000, 400,000 chemical abortions, we know that there are many that are experiencing that regret. And unfortunately, we've had some other kind of unsavory actions towards abortion pill uh, reversal. Uh, Big tech has joined in on this. Google began censoring ads for abortion pill reversal back in September of 2021. And to this date, it's still not yeah. of release that so we know that that's affecting our call volume significantly it dropped by uh, more than two-thirds as, as much as three-quarters uh when they when they enacted that the good news is that you know women are still finding help and it's taking them hard, a, a longer route but women are still able to find help uh, they can still reach our website they can still find us maybe through some other marketing opportunities but uh, there are abortion uh, pill reversals happening every single day at heartbeat. We, we, we've seen, um, continue to see women seek that help. And, you know, most of them, I think, uh, uh most of them, 75% of them are contacting us inside that first 24 hours. We only have 72 hours for the effectiveness. Otherwise, yeah, it, it like drops the, the effect of the abortion pill is, is too strong. Um, by, by that time. And so, uh, but if we can get to her quickly, and that's the good news is that that, Whatever it is that that's that's causing her heart and mind to shift, just to say I no longer want this abortion. It's happening quickly, and we're able to uh, get her to that help very quickly, and only a matter of hours in most cases.
2: And yeah, maybe it, maybe it okay. would be good if you have anybody listening who is wondering how does this happen, like you did, you know. But that that the abortion pill is really a two-pill regime regimen, and the first pill cuts off the progesterone. It's an anti-progesterone. Before the second pill, then the woman takes it home generally causes contractions to start. All right. So if, if we can start progesterone treatment in the first uh, day or so and reverse the effect of that first pill, then the baby can be saved. And so progesterone, as most women know, is a very healthy, wonderful hormone that's been also used to stop miscarriages ever since the 1950s, so why the medical profession would call this junk science is just just ridiculous. Uh, well, and, and they
1: even try to even try to say progesterone is bad for her, but she makes yeah. progesterone herself. Like that's, exactly. that exactly doesn't make and sense. When you're
2: pregnant, you have more and more progesterone. All right, you're so pregnant. it's a very healthy hormone for pregnant women. So, yeah, but you know, isn't it sad today, Jacob, that uh, it's so hard to get the truth out there? you know, um, things that should be so self-evident, things that are commonsensical. Uh, People will just say the opposite and and a lot of people don't bother to really think it through. Uh, So there's a lot of ignorance and people who sometimes it's not just ignorance it's people just don't really want to know. They don't really want to know the facts. So um, it's very hard for us to get the truth out. So thank you for your program that helps to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, And with the, uh, was Dr. George Delgado discovering this? And then the, the, I forget the name of the previous doctor two years earlier, having that, Dr. Harrison, having that same uh, response to someone saying, how can I reverse this? So having two doctors independently coming up with, you know, a way to reverse um, just is, yeah, it, and it, it's essentially I, I think it boils down to spiritual attack. And this is a, a battle, a battle over life, and um and it's a spiritual battlefield. Yes. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and that's not that not that that's simple or anything, but I feel like that's the, maybe that maybe that maybe explains why there is opposition or explains why people wouldn't, you know, be a fan of something just so obviously a good and healthy um. Uh, idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I the only reason why I can explain why someone wouldn't be on a fan of this would be it's spiritual warfare, and they're uh, you know opposing on, on the opposing team. Perhaps I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, I have I mean the the idea that once you're once you under once God moves you, once you are open to the truth, the scales fall from your eyes. I love that image. The scales fall. So some people have those scales. They're looking right at the truth, but they don't see it. Um, So prayer, of course, uh, is our main uh, weapon, if you want to call it that, uh, in the battle that we're in. And uh, that has always been a big part of Heartbeat. Another wonderful chapter is about how... uh, we try to make Christ the center of everything. <laughs> you should notice yes. that, I'm sure, at our conferences too, Jacob, right? Yes,
0: and there's been a lot of benefits from that um, being weaved in. I remember about um, Anne a- a- um, a- a- with NIFLA. Um, uh, what's her last Ann name? Anne
2: Ann o- Ann o- O'Connor. O'Connor. Ann O'Connor, I'm sorry, yes.
0: Yes, uh, and how she, I remember her, her uh, having that, you know, essentially, you know, sharing that, clinics, you know, practicing clinics need to go medical as being, as she, and as she has probably given that talk probably a dozen times at heartbeat conferences, um, talking about going, you know, going, you know, making your clinic, having that religious language weaved into the, the, the bylaws into your, your founding document so that you have religious freedom in hiring people based on belief, um, in order to have that religious freedom of hiring someone who believes right. certain things that are good.
2: Thank goodness we live in a country where we still have freedom of religion, and it's, it's been being upheld, but we have to pray that that continues, because we're one of the few countries in the world where that's, that's possible. Jarrell mentioned some of the attacks on abortion pill uh, rescue, and uh, in, in Ireland and, and England, apparently, Jarrell, as I understand, the National Health Service... Uh, will not recognize any conscience rights of any doctors who want to perform abortion pill rescue. They just won't let them do it. You know, if you're asked, you can't do it. Uh, Otherwise you lose your job. Hmm. So there is no freedom of religion in the way that they practice medicine. And so we have to be very thankful that we still have that in this country, but it's under attack as well.
0: I also like the case that you, you made in the book about how we have I think you said 3,000 clinics and uh, pregnancy clinics in the U.S. And I think you said there's about 2,000 and something across the the globe outside of the U.S. And how 98% of the of the funds are spent on these 2% and 2% of the funds are spent on the clinics outside of the U.S. When it, or when it comes to the need outside of the U.S., can you speak yeah. to that, Darrell? Yeah, or? I, yeah,
1: I, yeah. Actually, so that that was a broader statement uh that i was i borrowed for some from others it wasn't necessarily pregnancy help center specific it was more about the pro-life uh pro-life funds that are raised and the amount of the problem it was uh if you just look at just easy round numbers imagine you know we we have about a million abortions a year in the us but there globally there are 50 million right so that means we only have two percent of the global number of abortions but when you when you look at funding uh, of, of if we just lump all of the pro life groups together uh, and then what we know of the pro life groups that are outside and their funding, then we then we get that ninety eight percent of the funding for pro life causes is is directed at the U S, which is 98 percent is of uh, the funding is directed at two percent of the abortion problem. So it, it's uh, it's it shows that there's a lot of work that can be done uh, outside the U S we need to, we need to do all that we're doing, but we need to do more internationally. And there's a, a lot of opportunity to work in that area. And, and there, there are our friends, we have friends all over the the globe now in 84 countries, uh, where they are desperate to do more for their own community, for their own people. Um, but they, they, they lack what we have here in the U S, which is maybe a, um, an especially stable and charitable economy, for instance. Uh, uh, th- you know there are lots of countries that are still developing countries and don't have the economic power and strength that we do. and or or do they have the um, kind of charitable history that uh, that has been a blessing of the United States in particular? Uh, and so that which is in our law, we know you know we we're very familiar with this idea of tax deductible you know, uh, benefits from the IRS. And, and I don't think that that lives in that same way and to that same degree in other parts of the of the world. So there's much to do. There's a lot of opportunity. There's more to do here in the US. And uh, we've already talked about that on a previous podcast, um, but there's also um, more to be done internationally. And I, that's why it's a pleasure and a privilege to be part of Heartbeat International, uh, which is really working to uh, unify and advance the pregnancy help uh, community worldwide. In the book, you
0: men- there's a mention of um, work being done in Ukraine, and I believe this was written probably months before the war in Ukraine um, uh, was taking place. Um, that that seems like that's, yeah, it, it just seems like there was a lot being done there, and now I feel yeah. What? How do you reflect on? The, the work being done in Ukraine at this, at, at this time. How does that sound to you or look to you?
1: Well, it's it's very difficult. We've been keeping track of that as, uh, as best we can. We know most of our friends have, have escaped harm at this point that, that they're, what we what, those that we were in connection with have had to leave the country and we know that they some of them have been able to turn around and help moms and children that were or pregnant moms. That had to leave the country for fear of being in harm's way, but but still had need. And now, if if their pregnancy was a crisis before, it's certainly a crisis in being displaced. So um, we're seeing that happening. There is um, uh, some recent affiliates of heartbeat had have uh, multiple locations in the Ukraine and then one location in Poland. Well the one location in Poland is now being like the, the hub of help for those that are, are, are leaving the Ukraine and, and because of the connections there it's it's uh, it's been a very positive opportunity to help them and so we've been able to do that. Um, and yet what we also know because the other thing that I think the for us for me anyway the writing the book, it helps me to have a, a longer view of things, and so what what we can see that will come about at some point that this the fighting will end. We pray it sooner rather than later. We pray that cooler heads prevail and that uh, the Ukrainians will be allowed to have their own home and their own country and and uh, continue to uh, be a, the community that they desire to be, which means that that they'll have future pregnancies and future things that they'll do. And so we hope. That that there will be an opportunity to rebuild and to restore what certainly has been, uh, a, a hopefully only temporarily disrupted. Um, but pregnancy help will be necessary once uh, the active fighting is is uh, is over and the the rebuilding begins. Hmm.
0: Well, and I like the. Uh... The, the tagline of, of the book underneath the power of Pranksy help, it says the first 50 years. And so I feel like that speaks to the, you know, the, the need for, for this to continue on for decades as, yeah. or until Jesus comes back as this is a ongoing effort. And, and as you, as the international need is great, um, you know, there's no, yeah, hopefully the call, I guess, is for more people to join the work, more people to right. join the, the teams and to start new new pregnancy clinics in countries that are well, that have only a few or none. Mm-hmm. And and to start more pregnancy clinics in highly populated cities that are um, yeah, outnumbered, you know, there's this where there's great need
1: perhaps.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that, that's, that's what we have have seen have happened in the US. And that needs to happen at that same pace and rate. We have about, I, I did a, a study, we have about four uh, pregnancy help centers per every half million people in the US. The So four, four point something, 4.3. Uh, the next closest country to us is Italy, which has just over one. And then after that it's Zambia and then everything else drops off from there. And so there's a lot of room for opportunity and they need the same kind of energy and effort applied in those other countries. Uh, the, the, those babies are just as as important as American babies. And we need to make sure that we, we're doing everything we can to help them to do that. It's difficult uh, because uh, it, it requires a lot of um, support. It requires a lot of people, it requires uh, really the, their own country to rise up and do that. And that's happening. It's just not happening anywhere near as fast as we would want it to. Uh, but we are grateful for those champions that um, that really stand against, uh, buck their own culture uh, and and stand for life in, in the midst of some very challenging environments.
2: And let me say though, I think one of the wonderful things that Heartbeat does and we've been doing it for, for probably 30 years, if not more, bringing some of these international leaders every year on scholarship to the heartbeat conference and letting them make friends with other pregnancy centers that will then help support and pray for them and to give them the training and the encouragement the mentorship they need you know to really keep going in their countries and and do the maximum that they can and believe me they are so inspired by america i mean sometimes we are we get down on our country, we get aggravated at the, at the type of laws that we have, you know, we, you know, we get frustrated that it's taken so long to reverse Roe v. Wade, uh, but these countries, uh, many, many, many of them just pr- derive a lot of hope from seeing what we're doing in the United States and from knowing that there is a country in the world where abortion is still alive as a controversial issue, you know, where Christians are standing up and really fighting against it and where we have the opportunity you know, to, to turn back the clock on abortion. Um, and so that's so inspirational to them. So I think uh, even though it does seem unfair that we're spending so many pro-life dollars here in the US versus overseas, what we are doing and what we've accomplished here over the, over the first 50 years with God's help and guidance uh is it is a light to the rest of the world it does inspire them you know that uh that it is possible to stand for life to have a strong christian voice uh to make an impact on the laws in your country and even if you're not making an impact in the laws to change the culture one person at a time you know through like you say providing god's love in the pregnancy centers and they are really encouraged by what God's doing here. So we're happy to share with them as much as we can.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it feels like Heartbeat is exporting the, the uh, creativity and wisdom of this pro-life group here in the U.S., bringing, bringing these ideas to other, other communities outside of the U.S. Um, and one of, one of the Alliance for Life in Missouri... Uh, I believe Marsha Middleton, who I've seen many times at the Heartbeat conferences, um, <laughs> over the last four, five or so years, they've had a fundraiser every year for I believe it was Zimbabwe, and and um, I think it was Sean Dickerson who jumped in a freezing cold pool for for part of this <laughs> fundraiser last at the wow. last conference. But anyways, all that to say is like you know, essentially, if they would raise this amount of money, he had to jump in the pool, and there was a really good you know, raising of money, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, great. but I'm pretty sure that all started at a heartbeat conference, because I don't think Alliance for Life Missouri would have made that connection. I mean, I, I can't really imagine them making that connection anywhere, but at a heartbeat conference, as you are inviting the, you know, the international, um, uh, leaders and international people to the, your conference, and then that allows for people like Marcia Middleton to strike up a relationship, and then and then that's been able to continue for the last four to five plus years with fundraising happening every year, uh, and I I pitched in. I wanted to see Sean jump in the pool. <laughs>
2: Good. And see, only in America would we raise money that way. The, the, the yeah. international saw that. If they sent a video over there, they'd say, Oh my goodness, those crazy Americans, but they might try it. They might try it the yeah. next time themselves. Yeah. <laughs> There's
1: actually se- several of those stories that are like that, that uh, are some some of them are many years along where the center, not not so much the fundraiser part, but just saw it as a an extension of themselves. Some of the pregnancy uh, help organizations in the US will tithe uh, uh, some portion of their of their fundraising with the idea of sewing into these con- countries and these communities that are in great need. And so it's really it's really fun to be a part of that and to know of those relationships. In some cases, they've actually traveled. Uh, to be in those countries, taking a team. I know, I know uh, some that have gone to Africa, others that have gone to uh, Europe and, uh, and, and having a chance to meet, not only will they host them when they come to the U.S. Uh, or, or visit with them when they're at Harpy Conference, but some have been able to even travel and, and, and treat it like a missions trip and bless them in, in their country as well. So it is fun, uh, Jacob, to see those relationships. Uh, kind of I can see them forming and then it's fun then you know years later to realize like oh wow this is going on and this has been going on since that moment you know that's our own experience you know uh, one of our very special long-term relationships is with um, Edward and Barbara Mwanza from Zambia and that all came about from a their very first conference was 1998 and uh and from that, they decided to open a pregnancy center, which they did, and then they decided to, that there wasn't enough to have one, there should be others, and, and now after after serving in that, that for more than 30 years, they have a network of pregnancy center affiliates all across uh, central and southern Africa, about 180 different uh uh pregnancy centers and outreaches they they're constantly they they formed an organization called the association for life of africa and are uh working very diligently to continue to spread the word across africa so who you never know what can happen at a heartbeat conference and how um, that kind of um god moment occurs can occur there it can occur anywhere because i believe this is part of god's heart and he wants to do it uh he wants to see it done everywhere in the in the world so i know that we probably have had about an hour of talking so i probably should wrap things up
0: (laughs) before i do i want to just point out for anyone who's listening um when you get the chance to go to a heartbeat conference at the beginning of the conference there's probably going to be an um a time for the internationals to share and i would really encourage you to to, to make sure that you attend that international where you get to hear reports from different people from across the globe, share stories of, you know, what's going on in their country and in their area, as you will find that, you know, these stories are amazing and well worth hearing and pondering and being aware of these stories will give you the chance possibly to pray possibly to get involved or to at least be encouraged as there are so many amazing stories across the globe as you know, these people are working in much harder circumstances than in the U S and you know, very often where they are uh, outnumbered, they are, you know, but God is at work and they will, sh- they share stories. And so anyways, I was, I just think that international time when you provide that space for people to share um, is just been, Remarkable and just very encouraging.
2: Thank you, thank you for
1: that. Well, we yeah. always have a parade of nations where we get to celebrate the nations and their work, and they also several of them bring um, items uh, that that we would find interesting as uh, as Americans. They'll bring some of their um, uh, things that that are crafts from their own country, and we have those in the exhibit hall as well. So it's always uh, always fun to to get to. A visit with them and understand, uh, the, the really the type of mission that they're doing in their area mm-hmm. and to celebrate them and, and to, um, just, uh, be blessed by how God is moving in their hearts as, as, as he does in ours.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, thank you, Peggy. Thank you, Jarell, for being on this podcast. Thank, you.
2: thank you so much for having us. It's been fun talking.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll be a wrap. And, um, Thank you so much. Uh, I think this was really good. And um, it's just exciting to see all hear all the stories. Yeah, I, I feel like the number of people in the book represent just like this, um, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Ooh. all the stories that are available. And it's so good, to, you know, for people to sort of just see that God has got a bazillion fingerprints in this movement.
2: <laughs> I love. I love the way you you really have <laughs> grasped the book. I mean, it's wonderful, Jacob. I just hope we've got other readers out there who, who got as much out of it as you do. Of course, partly that was because you've also experienced the conference. You know you know that this is true and you know that you're just getting little bits of what you've experienced there. So, uh, so yeah, thanks I, for your help spreading the yeah, word.
0: Like when you mentioned, like there's like this list of names and like um, like when I just see like John Tabor's name, like mm-hmm. there could be a yeah. book about John Tabor or or yeah. John Enzor or, yeah. or Kirk Kirk Walden. I mean, I mean, there's just like there's so much there with so yeah. many people who are just complete, you know, complete repre- you know, servant leaders when it comes mm-hmm. to how they interact with people and their are mm-hmm. gifting for um, being encouragement and influencing others in a positive way. It's it's huge. Yeah,
2: it is. Well, thank you Amen. so much. <laughs>
0: thank you. We, Have thank a wonderful. You, Jacob. Thank you. Will we Appreciate see will we
2: see you at the conference this year?
0: Yes, I'll be there. solo. okay. <laughs>
2: okay. Yes, I'll All be right. there.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Bye, Darrell. Bye, Jackie.
2: Bye, bye.
3: Let's